Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A very happy Thanksgiving to all of our listeners out there. We're thankful that you are here each and every day, hopefully, or whenever you have a chance to listen to Sports Day Tampa Bay. Yeah, if you're not here every day, why not? All right, where, where the hell are you? Yeah. You're not going to get any knowledge anywhere else. That's for that's for damn sure. Um, so I mean, show I, prep Tampa Bay. <laughs> exactly right. So so here's the thing about Thanksgiving and what I do for a living and what you do for a living. This is, I mean, I'm a big Christmas guy, but to, to me, Christmas mm-hmm. is a season. It's not a day, right? Like it's it's the whole it's the lights, the tree, the you know the music. Like it, it, it kind of lasts hopefully for about a month. Um, and sometimes beyond, depending on when you take your lights down, if you did. Depends so, on when you put them up. Well, yeah, right. But maybe you just leave them up all year. I don't know. So we, we got in this discussion. Do you put them up before Thanksgiving, and is that wrong? I don't think it's wrong. Um, I, I'm kind of a day-after-Thanksgiving person, but if I could do it before, I would. Now, how much before? Like now, nowadays, Halloween sort of marks the Christmas season. I don't know when that started, but in the, in the mall world, mm-hmm. it did. And in the retail world, but um, yeah, I think I think absolutely you you can um, you can put up lights before Thanksgiving. Okay, our Christmas lights to. are up because we yes. always we always have family come in for Thanksgiving. Oh, okay. And so and it seems I don't, right. That I, don't, you... I don't want to be setting it up with them. I want to spend time with them. Right, and you want it to look nice, and you, and, yeah. and it's and it's the Christmas. So my thing was Thanksgiving. While it's its own holiday, it's really the kickoff to the Christmas season. I mean, when you watch the Macy's Day Parade. What's the last thing, or who is the last thing you see? Santa. It's Santa Claus, for God's sakes. So, if that's not a uh, an absolute, you know, starting point of of Christmas is Santa at in in New York at the Macy's Day Parade, then you know he's basically telling you, "Let's go," you know, LFG, let's go. Um, so that to me, you can already have your stuff set up if you want to have the have the tree place looking nice, and then serve your holiday meal, whatever it is that you're having, turkey, ham, whatever. Um, and and then now you're into, hell, you can play Christmas carols while you're eating if you if you choose to. Mm-hmm. But but what I love about Thanksgiving is that it it uh, really has everything that sort of matters, right? You got family, you have food, and you have football. The three Fs. We'll throw, right. Faith belongs in there somewhere if you're so inclined. Uh, but let's just let's prioritize a little bit here. When you get beyond the faith, then then those are the ones, right? And not necessarily in that order, but but family, food, and football, and double helpings, or in this case, triple helpings of the football, for sure, right? So you have three games, and as a bonus this year, we have Black Friday NFL football. Mm-hmm. How cool is that? It is cool, and, and you got all the college games too. Don't forget the Egg Bowl is always Thanksgiving night, and then usually A and M plays, and I then think. you get a bunch uh, of games on Friday in college football, right? So. Friday afternoon, yeah. So it's it's a great holiday. Um, unfortunately, I have worked every one of them. 
mm-hmm. and the Bucks will practice this morning uh, at, a, at a very early time, and, and we really won't do anything except check on injuries, which are massive, it would appear, um, as far as their injury list goes. And we can get into that as well because I, I think this is going to be it's going to be a story. In fact, it's already a story that, you know, they've got a lot of guys that may not play in this game. I mean, we're not really sure. Um, we'll update those as we go along on TampaBay.com and the Tampa Bay Times. But didn't Todd Bowles say if they had to play today, a lot of guys wouldn't go? Yeah, including, and this was a little bit of a surprise, both starting linebackers would not have played if they had to play on Wednesday, um, which is not <laughs> – not exactly ideal when you're going to play a team that runs the ball as well as the Colts do. Um, and so we've already seen, I think this last game, as many as seven rookies uh, played and a lot of those or a majority of those on defense. And you're, you're likely to see a bunch of them again. I mean, so you got Levante David has a groin injury. Devin White has a foot injury. So neither of those guys would have played if the game was on Wednesday. Jamel Dean, would not have played either. He has an ankle slash foot injury. He did not practice. And then you have Carlton Davis, who has a hip. He was limited. Uh, Ryan Neal, who's coming off a thumb injury. He was limited. Um, You can kind of just go down the line. But they've gotten the first bite of the apple for some of the rookies in the regular season. You know, it's a long season. And the, the flaw that we've talked about with this team is that they have a, a, a lot of older players that have rings that you know, some of them are at the end of their career or some are in in the prime of their career and haven't made it to a second contract, but they're still world champions. And so that pedigree sort of keeps you going uh, and gives you confidence that you know what it looks like and you can get things done. Um, But when you have these many injuries, you're going to go straight to rookies. There's no in-between. There's the experienced guys and then, boom, guys that have not been on the field. Well, a bunch of them got on the field – in San Francisco because those guys got injured and went off, including Servasier Dennis, uh, defensive back Josh Hayes, uh, Kayvon Merriweather, who started at safety. Even linebacker K.J. Britt came in in certain situations. Um, So that's a good thing, right, that these guys, they they, they played sort of in that fourth quarter mostly, and that's when the Bucs, you know, got some turnovers on downs and – we're able to come back and score some touchdowns and, and really, you know, if Kate Otten doesn't drop a ball in the end zone and they get a call, you know, on the next trip down there on fourth and goal, then then maybe they win the game 28-27, but uh, was not to be. And so now uh, all those guys have been on the field. They, they did fairly well. And if you talk to Larry Foote or others, they said, look, it wasn't like they were a fish out of the water, you know, as a lot of rookies kind of look that way, you know. This time of year, you're going to have injuries. Um, you know, the the depth is going to be so important. And so uh, kudos to those guys for preparing themselves and being ready to play. I mean, Dennis finished with three tackles. He only played 28.7% of the snaps on defense. And that's as many tackles as Devin White had when he played 100% of the defensive snaps. So, you know, they, they made contributions up and down as rookies and they are preparing themselves. But if you don't have, it's one thing to lose a Levante David, which I still think is a, an enormous loss for them because of all that he brings 
Um, but if you were not to have either inside linebackers, it's a team that runs as well inside as they do, eh, eh, that could be problematic. I mean, it really could be. And so the Bucks have to hope that, you know, maybe uh, David heals up so he can come back and play. Um, along those lines, though, they did have other players that weren't so lucky in terms of being able to play this week. One of those is Rakim Jar- Jarrett, who was placed on injury reserve. He's got a a quad injury that's serious enough for him uh, to miss at least four weeks, and we'll see what happens to him after that. But uh, he's a, he had that big 41-yard catch in the fourth quarter last week when when they were uh, you know trying to come back in the second half. You still have Levante David would not have played with the groin. We mentioned Devin White with a foot and cornerback Jamel Dean with the ankle. Um, they would have all probably not played had the game been on Wednesday, which I love. They always say, well, if the game was today, well, it's not today. So these guys have some time to try to make themselves better. Ryan Neal, who had that splint on his thumb last week, now has a smaller uh, splint. So supposedly uh, he may try to play as well. Um, we told you about what happened yesterday, I think, uh, on the practice squad. They promoted J.J. Russell, who's a linebacker. That's indicative of the fact that they don't think they're going to have either Devin you know, or Levante or both. They're not really sure. And, um, you know, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's all hands on deck, but you're going to see a lot of younger guys playing key roles, especially down the stretch because the season is just so long. And that's what Levante, David, and others told these guys is like, look, you know, you got to stay ready because as the season wears on, we're going to have more and more injuries and you're going to have to come in and make big plays. And so uh, this is sort of their time and we'll see just how many play each week, but uh, they're going to need big impacts from a lot of their rookies for sure. All right. We'll talk about the Tampa Bay lightning and their game against Winnipeg. Maybe not a surprise ending as it turns out all too uh, common. In fact, around here for the Tampa Bay lightning, but first, I want to tell you guys that for the past 14 years, the skilled pros of May Electric Solar have been installing solar energy systems in Florida. They provide the most reliable solar equipment, the best installation methods, and service while helping homeowners cut energy costs with an environmentally friendly investment. May Electric Solar uses their own skilled employees, never subcontractors, and they've always offered the safest and most reliable equipment. Well, now... May Electric Solar offers a 30-year no-cost equipment replacement and labor warranty. That means for 30 years, May Electric Solar, backed by Solar Insure, means that your roof, electrical, and equipment replacement is covered. Solar Insure even survives May Electric Solar and is owned by the homeowner with no additional deductibles or additional fees. This policy will transfer to new homeowners with no fee. This is not a blanket insurance policy. In fact, only the best contractors are allowed to be a part of this program. May Electric Solar's reputation and history of workmanship has earned this membership. To learn more about May Electric Solar's installation and their 30-year warranty, call 727-819-2862 or visit mayelectricsolar.com. All right, we got a a treat for you here coming up. I'll I'll describe for you in a minute uh, my interview with... uh, San Francisco 49ers quarterbacks coach Brian Greasy, of course, former quarterback here, two different stints with the Buccaneers as well as uh, went to Denver, succeeded John Elway, all of that, even uh, with the Bears for for a brief year. So we'll get to Brian Greasy in just a minute. But first, 
Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, so I'm watching this game, and I don't know if Winnipeg's really good, pretty good, but they played them really tough. And all, all I can think of is if they go into overtime, uh, you know, they just beat the Bruins, and maybe the curse has been lifted a little bit. Uh, and darn, wouldn't you know that they get dragged into overtime by Winnipeg, and they wind up losing the game but gained a point which was big because they're munching points as you like to say steve but they you know they had this one i i really felt like you know they were going to win it outright but um wasn't to be and i thought they outplayed winnipeg for the most part or for the large part of the game and i'm not sure how they didn't come away with two points but that's that's what the overtime rules are. Well, they didn't come away with two points because they gave up two goals in the first period, and then they that's had to chase point. the game the rest of the way. Yeah, that's true. And, yeah. and I I agree that I think for the bulk of the game, the Lightning outplayed Winnipeg. Although Winnipeg pushed and had their moments too. Uh, Johansson was fantastic. Uh, although I think the 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 goal that Morrissey scored, I, I think you'd like to control that rebound better. I mean, he didn't have a, sh- a chance on the shot. It was wide open guy. But he gave up the rebound to uh, directly to Morrissey. I think he'd, you'd like to put that rebound in a different spot if you had to do that one over again. Uh, but I thought the Lightning played pretty well, but they chased the game. I mean, you went down 2-0. Yeah. You got that goal late in the first. So you went into the the went into the intermission 2-1. to one. You end up getting the mm-hmm. game-tying goal. So you go to overtime. You do get right. a point. That's That's important. They're at, what, 23 points through 20 Bunch games. This, points. Is, this is kind yeah. of the quarter mark of the season. Yeah. So, and we've talked about the 12 points in 10 games scenario. Yep. They've got 23 through 20 games. So they're a point shy of where they should be. Mm-hmm. Now, the first 10 games, they got 11 points. The next 10, they got 12. So, and, and now you're expecting Andre Vasilevsky back one of the next three games. Because John Cooper said probably this road trip. So they're in Carolina on Friday, they're in Colorado and Arizona Monday and Tuesday. So you got through with Jonas Johansson, 17 games he played. Matt Tompkins played three at this point. And you've got 23 out of 20 points. If you would have, At the beginning of the year, if you would have said that was the scenario, every person would have said, I'll take that. Mm-hmm. And John Cooper in the postgame press conference, you know, they asked him kind of about it, and he said, uh, right now we're in a playoff spot. I know we've played more games, but we're in a playoff spot. That's where we're at. That's good. Like, you know, that's – that's where you need to be. Now, Andre Vasilevsky doesn't fix all the problems in this team either. Because right. the goaltending has not been a problem. Although I, I think there's a handful of goals that maybe he gets, or like I said, Vasi doesn't give up juicy rebounds like the one that Johansson did on that second goal tonight. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, the shot, there's nothing Johansson could do about it, but the initial shot where you put that rebound, Vasi's yeah, really good it. at rebound control. Mm-hmm. You know, th- things like that can be better. But the turnovers have to change. I mean, that's why they lost in overtime. You know, Victor Hedman and Braden Point both go to shut off a guy. I thought they'd get the puck out. They didn't. It turns into yeah. a, a wide open shot, and Lowry nails it, and the game's over. Yeah, you know, it's the it's the the turnovers in the wrong t- times, the pinching at the wrong times. Those those are the things that they're working on. I, I think they're getting better compared to where they started the season, but there's still too many of those. You know, and, and that's, you know, that's where that's what the work in progress of the season is. But with all those problems, you're still at 23 points in 20 games. You'll take that. I know maybe they broke the curse or whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it, but 
are are you concerned at all that there still seems to be a thing about this team in overtime that they can't get over the hump? I, I mean, look, the first four games, the problem is they never want to face off. Like, they never controlled the puck. The one game they had they for a, a split second and, and Kucherov hit a post. But the first four, it was it, – it, overtime has become about puck control. Like, it's no longer up and down the ice flying. It's control the puck. And if you can't win faceoffs, it's going to be hard to win in overtime. They won some faceoffs against Boston. They won that game. Tonight, the first couple faceoffs they lost, but they did win some faceoffs in overtime. They had some chances. You know, this tonight was one of those, you know, that's kind of, tonight was an overtime pick em game because both teams had chances in overtime. You know, the, the lightning happened to pinch. Two guys went to the puck, couldn't get the puck out of the zone, and it's up in the back of your net. I don't know if there's a thing about it. You know, if you can't win faceoffs, there is a thing. Otherwise, I mean, they've got as much skill as anybody. But too often in overtime, they've, they're sending two guys to the puck. And if you do that, then someone's wide open because there's too You're much open. you the middle, the front of the net open. Mm-hmm. Most there's been some time. communication issues. Tonight yeah. was a communication issue. They closed the guy off. They just couldn't get the puck out of the zone. Right. Winnipeg did a great job to hold it in. I mean, listen. The season starts, as Tom Brady says, after Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when Andre Vasilevsky comes back, and if you're a Lightning fan, you have to pray, not only does he come back, but is he Andre Vasilevsky? Is he that mm-hmm. shutdown goaltender? Or he may even be better because this is something I'm convinced that he dealt with a good part of last season. And eventually, um, you know, it, it, it cost him a little bit, I think. You know, he had to uh, get himself right. Mm-hmm. But. Well, Hopefully we'll see. The- we'll see. I mean, you know, we've talked about the rest that he's needed, mm-hmm. and he had a long off season, and now he's had the first two months of the season as well, right? And but that also could bring some rust to it. Sure could. You know, he might feel better out there than he's felt in a long time, but is his timing there? Is his is, you know? And we'll see. You know whether whether he comes back tomorrow or whether it's Monday or Tuesday. Yeah, but that that will get better. Like that mm-hmm. part will get better. I'm just you know physically, does he have the mm-hmm. same? sort of movement does he have yep. the same you know ability to stretch and all those things but um it'll be a mental boost if nothing else i mean that that will bring all kinds of excitement back to the lightning um, yes which is what they kind of need so mm-hmm. uh tough loss but you know back-to-back overtime games win one lose one get points that's sort of where they're at right now as a uh, as a program and it's a long season so uh no shame in that. It just would have been nice to see them finish the deal because they've had so many overtime games where they just haven't gotten that second point. So that part's disappointing. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, so I went to the West Coast, as everybody knows, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to watch them play the San Francisco 49ers. They lost the game. The Niners were impressive. I thought the Bucs had a pretty good chance of getting back in that game and um, 
you know, pulling it out. All that being said, the big star out there, of course, is Brock Purdy. Purdy. And he's an MVP candidate because he's absolutely balling, right? Mr. Irrelevant a year ago, uh, last pick in the NFL draft. You consider what happened to the 49ers in their quarterback position in one calendar year when Trey Lance gets hurt and Jimmy Garoppolo goes in and he gets hurt. And then the first start that Brock Purdy makes is against the Buccaneers and Tom Brady. And he handles that with terrific, you know, poise, uh, you know, sort of all of that. Well, there's always a guy behind the guy, right? And the guy behind the 49ers quarterbacks, because Garoppolo eventually was dealt, and now it's Brock Purdy's show, is one Brian Greasy, who played here with the Buccaneers two different stints, and of course was drafted out of Michigan. Uh, I think he won a Rose Bowl while he was there. Uh, Won a national championship. Won a national championship. I'm sorry, yeah, won a national championship, right. Right. I mean, think about that at Michigan. And then he goes Tom Brady as his backup. Yeah, I know. And then he goes to uh, the Denver Broncos and succeeds John Elway. Not everybody can even attempt that. Um, And he manages to do that. So as we like to say, he'd been through some stuff, right? Uh, And not only that, but when his career was over, he became college football's voice, basically. He was on the number one team for college football and sports, um, you know, certainly Saturday Saturday afternoons mostly. And after doing that for a number of years, he had one night on the Monday Night Football crew, if you can recall that, way back when, with Lewis Riddick and, um, you know, some guys that he, he got to do. He, went, he transitioned from college to the NFL. And then it turns out that... Uh, they they went another direction. They they ripped it up and they hired Joe and Troy to take over. And Brian says, "Well, there's nothing I could do about that. Like that, you know, you get it, you understand. That's that's their prerogative." But there he was, sort of at a crossroads, and he didn't know what he was going to do. Had no clue. Um, it done the broadcasting thing for a long time, and there's that's subjective. You know, you you get stuff written about you and how you do and. And, you know, it, there's no scoreboard. That's the bottom line. So what he found out that he missed was the competition. Got a call from Kyle Shanahan, of course, Mike Shanahan's dad. He played for Mike, known Kyle since, you know, high school. Um, and their offensive coordinator is leaving, and they, and they or quarterback's coach is leaving, and they're considering bringing in somebody else and asked him if he would be interested. And he takes it. Uh, and the rest, as they say, is history. He's in his second year now. He's moved his family from Denver. A lot of obstacles that he had to overcome. So this is all leading up to the fact that I had a chance to talk to Brian about his career, about his decision to change and go from broadcasting to the football field, which is a huge commitment of time and and resources and all of that, and what the San Francisco 49ers position looks like, you know, uh, now and, and sort of in the future. But Mostly just catching up with Brian Greasy. I thought you guys would enjoy this on this holiday season, Thanksgiving. What are you thankful for? Well, uh, I think Brian Greasy is thankful for a new career path, and you'll hear him talk about that, and of course, his family and all that's going on with uh, him out there in Denver. So, uh, without further ado, here is Brian, my interview with Brian Greasy from. San Francisco last weekend prior to 
the Bucks game against the 49ers. I just wanted to catch up with you because it's been it's been a while, and I know, you know, obviously you you know you you went uh, from the the playing field, and you were like the top broadcaster in college football, and then hell, you were on Monday Night Football, and and I guess you know we know how much football you know, but um, what what was it that made you take that step? Because I know how much you guys work when you coach, man. Yeah, yeah, it's you know honestly, Rick, the. Um, ESPN kind of made a decision to go and get Aikman and yeah, Buck. Yeah, you know? yeah, And, uh, you know, they they make that decision, and I, I, I get it. And uh, I had kind of done – I had done it for 13 years. Yep. And um, at that point, it was like, you know, do I, do I want to go back and, and do something, yeah. you know, continuing doing broadcasting? And it's, it was at that point I was kind of at a crossroads and mm-hmm. – um, and I was ready for a new challenge. Yeah, you know, I, I think that's the easiest way to describe sure. it. Sure. Um, and um, and it was at that time when I kind of closed that one door that you know another door opened, and I I wasn't looking for a coaching job. <laughs> right. Right. You know, um, I, I, I I not at all. Not I hadn't spent one minute thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know I got a call and and I started to have these conversations with Kyle and yeah. I had known Kyle, you know, since oh, I was sure. in high school. Oh yeah, and um, and so and he had a, you know, he had an opening with uh, Rich Scangarello, who went to college, and um, so we just started talking, and mm-hmm. and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. Um, I came out here and I talked to him about it, and one mm-hmm. thing led to another, Rick, and you know, here I am, and I think that um, I've really enjoyed. Um, you know, getting into back into the day to day of football and the competition. You know, when you broadcast, that's right. You know, you're you're always at the surface level, mm-hmm. um, and you're not winning or losing. That's you know, right. You don't have any you don't have any skin in the game, yeah. and it's a different feeling when the game's over. You don't know if you did a good job or not, and it's very subjective as to what people like out there. That's right. You know, whereas the the game itself and coaching is very objective. You win, you lose. And how do we play? So I I enjoyed that. I enjoyed getting back to that. But I didn't I didn't realize how much I would enjoy just getting back to the relationships, which is what we all miss when we're out of the locker room. So um that part's been been awesome. But yeah, it just it kinda found me, Rick. I, I I didn't find it. That's interesting. And and of course, you know, it's great to belong to a team again, right? Like you have um, you know, players that rely on you and other coaches. And, and like you said, the competitiveness is what you, is what you didn't, you know, what you don't have and you've been competing your whole life. So, um, right. makes total sense. Uh, but then, you know, you come and your timing is, is great because you, you have three quarterbacks in the first year and a guy from the seventh round that makes his first start against Tom Brady when we were out here last year and, and Brock Purdy. And it's like, I'm sitting back and I'm going, wow, somebody's doing a really good job here with these quarterbacks especially brock so what was that like to to take a guy you know he played a lot of college football though brian you know he played a lot of games um so he had that behind him but man what a what a job you're able to do with him that that first year well it's it you know like like those things when guys have success it's a combination of a lot of of different things sure it starts with the kid you know Mm -hmm. it starts with the kids um what he's made of and um his determination and what he's dedicated himself to and how serious he takes it 
and how intentional he is. Yeah, and, um, you know, I think naturally you're the last pick of the draft. You know, you're going to come in with a chip on your shoulder. Oh, yeah. And you're going to try to prove yourself. And um, it, it wasn't long into training camp when uh, guys started to turn their head and, and notice that this kid, uh, he'll compete against our defense. And, uh, yeah. and he didn't back down. And he had no no issues with uh, competing in those in those drills and in those team periods, and yeah. so we knew we had something pretty pretty early on, but we didn't we didn't necessarily know until Jimmy went down, and then he goes in to the Miami game, and it, it doesn't look too big for him, mm-hmm. and the, the lights aren't aren't too bright, and um, and so he just you know he continued to keep his head down. And um, and he's made, he made some mistakes along the way. I, a great example is when we played Tampa. You know, it's the first start of his career, and he's going against Tom, and everybody's making a big deal of this. Sure. I, th- I tell you, Rick, the kid was flatlined. Like it wasn't too high, too low. He makes a mistake at the first play of the game. Oh, he gets absolutely he gets drilled. Yeah. He gets hit, and he didn't see it right, and and he gets. And I'm on the sideline. I'm I'm saying to myself, oh boy. You know? <laughs> right. And, uh, and you know, he got back up, and, and you could see in his eyes the determination, and he was going to get back to the game plan, and he was going to take it one snap at a time. He's just, he's got a really good feel mm-hmm. for that stuff. And, um, and obviously, he's, he's talented enough to play the position, and our guys really gravitate to him. Yeah. And um, it's been fun. Well, it's been fantastic to watch, and you're right. I, I saw that, and I thought, well, that's it for a kid making his first start when he starts out like that and he did not blink man it was incredible you know just yeah. how he got back right up there and, and went for it so um so you you had a lot of success obviously you know you you know a lot of people with with uh, uh with having coached with mike and, and then of course you know as you said uh you you go back a long time um i'm just curious like in your career were there now that you're coaching were there coaches maybe it was mike others uh, of course, you went to Michigan. Was, was there, were there coaches that you kind of draw from now in this position, or is it just you know you got obviously bring your own personality to it? But just I'm just wondering who's who's influenced you uh, in this realm? Yeah, you know, I, um, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of coaches, but more, more importantly, a lot of people that have influenced yeah, me. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't I don't think on a day to day basis. Oh. I remember this coach said this to me, sure. so I'm going to use that. I, I haven't done that once. Right, um, right. You know, but I am a I am a product of the, my relationships that I've been privileged to have in my life, going back to you know Lloyd Carr at Michigan. That's right. And, um, and Gary Kubiak, who was you know really my first coach in in the pros. Yep, Denver. Um, and now I'm working with his sons, Clint and Clay, which is really cool. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and I've known those guys since they were kids. Yeah. You know? um, so, um, you know, I, I, uh, I think that I, I am who I am and, and I try to bring the best version of me every day to work and try to, you know, help not only Brock, but Sam and, and Brandon Allen. I try to try to help them mm-hmm. not just with what's going on on the field, but like, what does it mean to be a quarterback in the NFL? What does it mean to be the leader in the locker room? What mm-hmm. does it mean to lead guys that like Trent Williams that are older than you and been in the league a lot longer than you? And, um, what does that look like? Like, tactically and mm-hmm. um so um and then you know how do we deal with the stresses the ups and downs and when people lose three games in a row how do we deal with that and what everybody's saying about you so i've been in their shoes and um i try as much as i can to help on that end as well as the on the field stuff yeah and that and that's such an advantage that uh they're getting from you because not a lot of not a lot of coaches quarterback coaches even coordinators head coaches have stood 
where you've stood, right, um, behind that center and, and led a team. So I think they're really lucky, uh, really lucky that way. So how's the family doing? Are they still in Denver? How do you manage that? I mean, there's obviously a sacrifice for everybody there, right? Oh, man, yeah. Well, I, I came out last year. I didn't know. You know I, was, I said, well, I'll go out and do it for a year and see, see if I like right, it, see if I'm right. good at it. I don't know if I'm good at it. You know, see if I'll have a job after for one year. I, I don't know. <laughs> so the, the family stayed back in Denver. Um, yeah. And then after I made the decision to come back this year, like it was like we can't be apart, we can't no. be separate. So, yeah. so they moved out. Yeah. Oh, good. So it was it was good timing for my son. He was gonna go into ninth grade, so he was. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. my daughter was a little bit tougher because she was going into her senior year of high school, and uh, yeah. so it was a tough it was a tough move and transition for her. But I'm proud of her. She's really hung in there, and she's done a great job of transitioning, mm-hmm. you know, to her new school and making friends and getting on sports teams, and now she's applying to college and all that so she's she's done a great job but it's great to have them out here with me oh you have to and uh, that's it's so great that they were supportive of you to do that and and the other thing that i think we're about at the anniversary like um you have that of course that foundation you began in memory of your mom yeah. and i, I yeah. think we're almost at a at a anniversary of that how many years has that been now well i, I appreciate you remembering we celebrated our 20th anniversary wow. last year that's fantastic yeah, and it's it's still going really well. Um, great. We, we opened a new, um, a brand new home. Uh, we outgrew the house we were in, mm-hmm. and uh, we built a uh, a twenty five thousand square foot house in, oh in Central Denver. Wow! And we've we've expanded, and we're we're doing a lot of work um, throughout the state and, and nationally around training folks um, and bringing awareness to the issue. And so we're continuing to try to make a dent, man. And and uh, so it's been great and uh yeah it's been 20 years that's fantastic all those lives that you've been able to help and influence and and and, you know understand what what all those kids were going through and now they're grown adults and i can't imagine that's got to be a really rewarding thing for you and your wife i just think it's it's great it's it was great when you started it and 20 years man that's nothing to sneeze at that's really that's awesome all right once again hope you guys have a terrific thanksgiving don't eat too much be careful out there we will be back tomorrow to preview the Bucks and the Indianapolis Colts in Indiana this weekend. It's going to snow on Sunday, but fortunately, Hessfield is covered, so that will not affect the game or the Buccaneers, but uh, might affect me a little bit to get, get into the game. Who knows? Anyway, again, happy holidays to everybody out there. Enjoy your football. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times for Steve Burstick. Have a great Thanksgiving, everybody. 